Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. And today we are talking about retention, turnover in the accounting profession, which is one of our biggest challenges, one of the biggest challenges for public accounting firms. And joining us today to talk about it is Jeff Brown of the Illinois CPA Society, the president and CEO of the Illinois CPA Society. Jeff, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Blake. Appreciate it. We love the reports that the Illinois CPA Society turns out. And in December, you all released a report called Writing Retention, a look into the accounting profession's greatest management challenge. And that report showed a significant rise in turnover rates within the profession, at least within Illinois, among the respondents to your survey. I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are curious, what did you find are the key drivers in the turnover trend and how yeah. is it impacting uh, the profession in Illinois? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it should be any shock to anyone that the, the key reasons that people are, are leaving, um, you know, salary, uh, that's not new. Uh, too many hours burnout, lack of work-life balance, uh, issues with workplace culture, uh, lack of advancement opportunities, the nature of the work. You know, these aren't new issues for public accounting, but when you think about it, a lot of those issues are things that we have some management of, some uh, opportunity to control. And so we just need to make the steps to really you know, address those issues. Um, it's kind of interesting to me that, uh, you know, salaries have been on the rise, but we haven't done anything about the, the number of hours that people work. Uh, we're not addressing the work-life balance. And, you know, think about the number of firms that win those best workplace awards. Um, but culture still tends to be an issue. And when you think about it holistically, I think a lot of our turnover issues are really related to workplace culture. Yeah, I, I was kind of shocked to see, well, I guess I'm not shocked. Salary was the number one reason people left. That's why they they say they left. Um, but too many hours slash burnout is like right there, almost exactly, almost exactly the same, right? 48, 49% basically. Mm -hmm. And then lack of work-life balance. So it's really those three things, salary, too many hours slash burnout and lack of work-life balance are the, the reason that accountants are leaving their employers. But uh, they're not leaving accounting. And we've heard some sort of contradictory surveys, evidence on that. Some people have said that, like the Wall Street Journal reported a few years ago that 17% of accountants left the profession entirely. But your study found that when people leave accounting, firms, they're not leaving the firms. They're actually, where are they going? I guess is the- Yeah. So just yeah. based on our research, you know, talent that left the job in the last two years, they're leaving mainly for other opportunities in public accounting. So that was 62% of our respondents. Uh, then the other ones were going to opportunities with public and private companies. That was about 23% of the respondents. Uh, and then 8% were going to private equity. And you flip that over on the employer side, you know, I've been in this world for what, 14 months. <laughs> so I've had an opportunity to have a lot of conversations with firm managing partners. And, you know, when I asked the question of where's your talent going, um, they all said, you know, they're going for corporate finance, you know, jobs and business and industry. They think the grass is greener. Um, they're leaving the profession altogether. And then private equity, they're like, there's no way we can compete with private equity. But, you know, our survey data is telling a very different story that, you know, they're looking for other opportunities or they're finding other opportunities in public accounting. So, you know, when you think about the reasons that are driving turnover uh, and the fact that they're staying within public accounting, it's almost like, you know, they're moving from 
the house that's on fire to a house that's on fire. <laughs> uh, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but you know, it, there's got to be something about the places that they're going that they think they're going to have a different experience. So I really want to dive into that and really understand, you know, what's different between firm A and public accounting and firm B um, that the employee is thinking that they're going to have a different uh, go at it. Yeah, I would love to dive into that with you. You you mentioned some of the less obvious factors, um, culture being one of those. What what do you see, you know, other than salary, right? What do you see as being different between these firms that people are leaving versus the firms that people are going to? Yeah, you know, I, and this is anecdotal because we didn't get an opportunity to dive into this, you know, through our survey work and our focus groups. So, you know, I'm just relying on some of the conversations that I've had with you know, newer professionals that are part of this target audience. And, you know, I think it's partly due because of the small networks that exist with uh, accounting professionals. You know, a lot of people went to the same universities, they travel in the same professional circles, sometimes the same social circles. So you have an opportunity to really understand, you know, what's different with my firm versus the firm where, you know, my classmate works. Um, and so I think those opportunities and getting recruited in really does help reinforce, you know, that the opportunity is going to be different, that it is going to be better, um, and that it's not going to be one-to-one -one with what they came from. So you, the survey was actually two surveys. So you surveyed about 450 firm leaders and then about 430 employees. That's correct. That's Did correct. Did you get any answers that were, like, they're just not on the same page? Like, firm oh, leaders yeah. are thinking A, and the real reason people are leaving <laughs> is B. Like, how'd you reconcile that? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest disconnects were really around where employees were going. Um, you know, so that disconnect around, you know, I'm leaving for another job in public accounting versus I'm leaving to go to corporate finance, business industry, uh, the, the role of private equity. So that was probably the most glaring disconnect for me. Um, the other piece was just the, the job hopping myth. Um, you know, I think that during the pandemic, you know, a lot of employers, you know, created this narrative that, you know, our people are just chasing the, the next opportunity, chasing a dollar. And yes, that does play into it in some regards. But um, people weren't leaving at the rate that we thought that they were leaving or that employers thought they were leaving. So that's one. And then, you know, I think there's a disconnect on the back end of just, you know, I wish I, you know, we had a lot of employers say to us, I wish I had had an opportunity to have a conversation with this person before they left. Whereas the employee said, you know, no one ever asked me what I valued. No one ever asked me what I thought was beneficial. Uh, no one ever tried to keep me. And so I think, you know, there's some real nuggets in that, that if you're an employer, uh, and there's a, a piece of talent that you're trying to retain, you know, your best and brightest, um, just, you know, take the time, ask the question, be intentional, be transparent, be approachable, um, make sure that you're, you know, laying out for individuals, you know, what their career paths could look like. And it, there's a real opportunity, I think, for employers to step back and say, you know what, I've been in this business for 30 years, my pathway was X, is that going to be the pathway that the person starting today is going to want to travel? Um, I think we're doing that in some regards, but we need to do it faster um, because people talk. Uh, you know, we were talking about the, the role of social media. Um, every young professional that is having a positive experience isn't posting about it, but every young professional that's having a negative experience, they're talking about it. And I think that that is a self-fulfilling prophecy of how we're not going to get the best and the brightest into the profession. And so we're going to keep having this, pro this uh, discussion around uh, retention. Makes sense. It's no big surprise that work-life balance, too many hours is in the top three responses, why people leave their accounting job. Jeff, what do you think is, like, how can firms deal with this, right? How can firms address the work-life balance issue? Did you, did you identify any 
ways that we can solve that in the in the survey? Or do you have any ideas from your yeah, experience? So, you know, one of the things that we've been doing with this, and we had our first conversation earlier this week uh, with a group of firm leaders, and they want to have a follow up conversation because they're all of the mindset that, hey, you know, collectively, there are some things that we can do to kind of level the playing field. This is just here in Illinois. Um, they're all recruiting from the same talent pool effectively. But they think that there are some things that they can do that would really address this. You know, when we talk to young people, young professionals, they're aware of what they're getting into. Like, it's no surprise that they're going to work long hours. It's no surprise um, that they're going to work hard, that work-life balance is going to be challenged throughout the year. I think what the issue is, they weren't expecting there to be multiple busy seasons. Um, they weren't expecting that um, if they said they were going to have to work, you know, 60 hours this week, that it actually turned out to be 70. Um, and I think it's really being transparent, having clarity, uh, and holding true to the commitments that you make. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be where we have issues with trust. Um, that's what makes people open to having the conversation with the firm down the road, um, because they're seeing this opportunity where you told me this, but now you're saying it's this. So if you're going to make a change in that regard, what else are you going to make a change around? And I think that drives back to that whole culture piece. Yeah, I, I feel like when there used to be just one busy season, it was a much <laughs> different deal. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, three months of your life, right, in busy season, that's totally doable. I, I've worked in other industries where we had a busy season and it was great. For sure. Right? For sure. Made, made a bunch of money in three months and then I kind of relaxed the rest. But it's no longer, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way anymore. Um, and so, like, it just, the busy season just keeps on going and going. <laughs> And I guess as I think you mentioned this in your survey too, or your report is that as people leave, it puts more pressure on the people who remain. So it becomes this um, self-reinforcing problem. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we saw in the survey and we're hearing time and time again in conversations with younger professionals. We're hearing it with uh, firm leaders. We're hearing it with that kind of middle management layer of hey, you know, I'm finally at a place where I'm managing people. I didn't think I would be doing the same work that I was doing when I started. So, you know, no one's going to be immune uh, to the impact of turnover um, unless you're at the, the very top, I would think. But, you know, people are feeling the burn, meaning that um, when someone leaves, who's going to do their work? Because it takes time to ramp up. If you're going to bring in a new hire, they're not going to be ready on day one. Uh, so somebody's going to have to absorb that work and it's not going to be lateral all the time. It's sometimes going to go upstream, uh, which means that you're going to have this cadre of individuals that thought they were getting out of doing that level of work and they're back into it. And so what does that do to them? Um, and then you also have what's the cost uh, to firms of, you know, getting a new hire up to speed, let alone just recruiting them. Um, you know, things are starting to level off a little bit, but there was a real war for talent here in Illinois. And, you know, firms were getting creative. They were paying a premium. Um, you know, the, the recruiting uh, industry was just raking it in. Um, but I think that there's a lot that we need to do to really understand what the impact that this is going to be, because, you know, you have three people leave. That means there's six people that are going to have to absorb the work in addition to what they were already doing. Um, and so it puts those individuals at risk. So it just keeps pushing things, uh, you know, further and further into the organization. We've got a real supply problem in accounting. We spoke with Sue Coffey from AICPA, and she mentioned on our show uh, and in an interview with Accounting Today that we are only producing about half the accounting graduates that we need to satisfy demand. It's something like 50,000 a year, and we need 100,000. So how do we address this supply issue? 
which is causing the you know overwork for the people who remain in the profession. Um, salaries are going up as a result of this shortage, but not not that much. It seems mm -hmm. like the work life balance still seems to be a big issue, the overwork. So mm -hmm. you know, given these huge numbers of of you know this huge shortage, which must be thousands, right, every year in Illinois, like what do we do? Like we talk a lot about the 150 hour rule on this program, um, you know, reducing education requirements, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how can firms increase salaries, uh, how can firms be more flexible? Like, do you have, does, does the Illinois society or do you personally, Jeff, have <laughs> recommendations for how the profession? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely have some, some thoughts on this and I think the society has some thoughts as well. I mean, I think it starts with the experience. Um, you know, we are competing for talent against some very, in the short term, exciting industries. Uh, that are paying a lot more right out of the gate. Uh, we know that young people aren't thinking, you know, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. Uh, in terms of their careers, they're thinking six months, one year. Um, and so when you're confronted with the opportunity to get a higher salary, uh, quicker opportunities for advancement, but it's going to level off, you're probably going to jump at that because you're not thinking about things over the long term. And it's very difficult to have a conversation with a young person about, yeah, just stick it out for 20 years. Uh, and then you'll see your payday. Yeah. Um, it's a very difficult prospect. You know, I'm thinking back to 21 year old Jeff, and I don't know that I would have been susceptible to that type of uh, messaging. Um, so really thinking about how do we change the career pathway model to really fit with what young people are experiencing in other industries today? I think that's one. Um, the starting salary piece is definitely top of mind. Um, you know, I think young people, you know, know what they're getting into when they pursue careers in public accounting. They just want the experience to match what they thought. And, you know, I think all too often the experience isn't lining up with what we told them that they were going to do, which I think is very, very difficult for them to understand. And so it's kind of problematic in that regard. We were down at the uh, University of Illinois uh, back in the, the fall uh, and did a student panel just to really understand uh, what was happening with with young people, what they were thinking. And, you know, this was a, a group of high performers. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, they were all pretty invested in pursuing careers in, in public accounting. Um, but they had some thoughts about how things could be better. You know, they know what they're getting into um, and they just want to hear from more people that are closer in age to them versus, you know, trotting out the the best and brightest partner to tell them about their experience. So that that was really interesting for me as well. Yeah, that disconnect between social media and what students are hearing from their professors, I think, is a it's a big gap. And I wonder how much of that is because professors have not been in public accounting for 20 years in many cases, right? Or never were in it, right? In <laughs> or we're in it for a year or two, right? Like, so, I mean, we've got to do something about, like, the, the view of accounting on Reddit. If you go onto Reddit, the accounting subreddit, and you read what is on there. It's like, it's bad, right? And I don't know, I mean, I wonder how many association leaders and professors and partners have ever even heard of Reddit or been on it. But, you know, <laughs> that and TikTok is where Gen Z is getting their information about accounting. Yep. And, um, you know, if we did a survey of that and, and looked at it, it's not great, right? It's not a great image. Well, and, you know, I, I always share with people that, you know, I'm, again, pretty new to the, the accounting world. I came over from financial advice, financial planning. Um, and one of the things that I share with definitely educators is, you know, when we would go to college campuses and we were looking to help those programs recruit new students to the financial planning programs, 
we would always make a stop off uh, in the accounting department just because there was always going to be someone who was a little unsure, a little disgruntled, maybe saw something in social media uh, and they see an opportunity Easy to pickings. practice some of the same skills, but in a slightly different lane. Um, it's not the same, um, but you know, there's definitely some opportunities out there. Um, we need to talk about the positive experiences that young professionals are having. Uh, we definitely need to change some of the, the work-life balance issues. We need to address the nature of the work and the relevancy piece. I think that that's going to be a through line for a number of years to come. Um, and we need to think about, you know, what's going to be of most, most valuable to young people today. You know, that same student panel that I talked about, they all had a high interest in working with nonprofit organizations. So that impact, that, that intrinsic value from helping people uh, to the extent that it's possible. I think that that needs to be a greater part of the experience for, you know, some of those professionals in that one to five year experience, because we're losing too many. And that feeds right into that supply mm -hmm. side issue that you talked about, Blake. Yeah. Y you mentioned that people, young people aren't willing to sit around and wait 20 years to get the, to reap the rewards of say an accounting degree. And, and we got some insight from one of our guests, um, on one of our podcasts, Joey Kinney from Summit CPA, he pointed out that when his, I think it was his mother is a CPA, when she was going down the accounting career path as a young accountant, it was about seven years to partner in the 80s and early 90s. And now it's it's more than double that. It's you know, 14, 15 or more years to go from starting as a staff accountant to becoming partner. And that's a really long time to wait. Um, I certainly wasn't willing to do it. You know, I, I left as a manager and does the business model need to change, right? Like the, we've seen firms go into uh, private equity deals, become corporations, eliminate the the partnership model. I mean, what what else can we do? I, I, I feel like there's a lot of half measures. We say, oh, we need to increase salaries. We need to do this. We need to improve culture. But like what? Like, this is a big problem. What can we meaningfully do to address this yeah. issue? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's encouraging that firms are experimenting, trying different different options. I think the ownership model is certainly one piece of it. Um, but, you know, we need to be responsive to the needs of the next generation and also be responsive to the needs of firms. And it's a really delicate balance, I think. But I think there's an opportunity there. You know, when you think about the fact that Young people aren't going to stick around for 20 years to become a partner. I, I was with a group of about 15 new professionals, all less than three years of experience. Um, none of the, only one of them was licensed. Four were in process. The other 10 weren't sure. Um, and we're in the CPA business. You know, I'm not going to lie. We're in the CPA business. We're a state CPA society. So I'm always inter interested in how do we get people to become CPAs. Um, and so when they talked about it, they're like, I have no interest in being a partner. I want to take care of my family. I want to have work-life balance. So until we can change the, the experience to meet those needs, uh, we're going to have a difficult go at it. And I don't know if there's going to be a private equity ownership model or an ESOP that is going to fully address um, what we're experiencing on that side to really meet the needs of the next generation. Uh, I'm really concerned because, you know, these are tomorrow's firm leaders, uh, or they should be. On paper, they should be. But if we're not giving them the on-ramp that they need and making it enticing for them to be able to stay in the profession uh, and see it through to the next generation, then then what are we going to do? And so I think that's where we have an opportunity, you know, as a state CPA society, as a thought leader, uh, as a catalyst for change to just drive a dialogue about, you know, what are the options out there? 
Uh, unfortunately, we, we don't own a CPA firm, so there's not much that we can do in that regard, but we can continue talking about what we see as the issues, what we're hearing from the different audiences, and try to engage the, the right players in, in creating change. Jeff, do you think um, a lot of this turnover is, or how much do you, would you attribute to bigger firms gobbling up smaller firms? Because like I could see I'm happy maybe working at the smaller firm. I have good life balance. I'm not burnt out. It's not too many hours. I like the culture. Now they get bought by a bigger firm because it's the there's not enough at the bottom of the funnel. Is mm-hmm. that one reason that these are the three reasons people are popping up or giving the reasons is just they, they got acquired? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's a, a high driver of it, David, but I, I definitely think it's something that we need to, to keep an eye on um, because I think a lot of our talent issues, you know, both early professionals and careerists uh, are driven from, from the top down versus bottom up. Uh, but we do know that we have a lot of young people that are having very positive experiences working in smaller firms, making conscious decisions to, to you know, uh, embed themselves in those organizations. So uh, it's something we should keep an eye on. So we did see some positive um, changes indicated in the survey. Employers who were surveyed said, uh, to what changes has your organization made to improve employee retention within the last two years? Uh, 63%, 64% have increased compensation. Mm -hmm. 60% now offer a remote work option. And 49% offer flexible hours. Hopefully, we'll see more of those firms offer the flexibility which is um, one of the, it's the second most important benefit that employees highlighted, right? So, yeah. so we've got, we've got a lot of room for firms to offer more flexibility. And 75% of employees said they want that below yeah, compensation. I, you know, that, that's very encouraging. My fear is that, you know, we spent the last three and a half years, four years being incredibly responsive to our employees how sustainable is that over the course uh, of the long term? You know, I'm already hearing from firm leaders that they're talking about how do we peel some of this back? How do we get people back in the office? And I'm like, these things are here to stay. Um, they need to become a part of the model. They need to be, you know, just standard benefits, standard, you know, structural issues related to our work environments. And if we're not willing to do that, then we're just going to keep talking about these retention issues because there are plenty of other places that that is their norm. It's not going back. Um, and so if we're going to retain our best and brightest, then we need to do this. I think that's the perfect way to leave it. Jeff Brown, president and CEO of the Illinois CPA Society. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Oh, thanks for the opportunity, Blake. I really appreciate it. Now, if folks want to learn about the survey, if they want to read it themselves, we'll be sure to include a link in the show notes. Very and, good. And Jeff, you know, let's say we've got some listeners in Illinois. They want to get connected with the society. What, what should they do? Where should they go? Um, you know, they can definitely visit our website, www.icpas.org, or just give us a shout. You know, we definitely have phones. Phones are back in business. So, you know, feel free to pick up. But uh, we're here. We're interested. And we always love hearing from CPAs and accounting professionals in Illinois and beyond. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.